Pastor Ron has cooked a homemade meal, and I'm excited to get home and see what that's all about. Colossians, the third chapter, we're going to look at about four verses from there. And want to reiterate, those of you that are, that are joining us that have been on this journey from the 1st of January, we talked about committing to excess. We talked about being what God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do. And we looked at some, some life points or some, some thoughts, and we, we, we shared the thought of learning how to keep your vision in front of you, keep your vision in front of you. And I wanted to encourage everyone in this body to dream big, to, to, to dream if you're making some plans, make make big plans. If you're feeling like God is leading in an area, pursue that. Write it down. Get it in front of you. Speak it. Begin to declare it. Begin to state it. I remember several years ago uh, after Pastor Ron and I were divorced and I went to the restoration of, of weightlifting, I remember that it was my goal, it was my goal as a, as a weightlifter to bench press 300 pounds. And before I bench pressed 300 pounds, I got a shirt that said 300-pound club. And people would say, have you, have you bench pressed 300 pounds? I said, no, but I'm, I'm working on it. So get something out there tangible that you can see that motivates you to complete what God has called you to complete. The second thing we talked about was to run your race your way. David, perfect example, he told Saul, I cannot kill Goliath in this armor. I've got, to, I've got my own way of doing it. And David killed Goliath with the weapons that God had given him and had blessed him with. The third thing that we talked about in life is to expect good things. Some people see the cup half empty, others see the cup half full. While you're debating on whether it's half full or, or half empty, I'm drinking it. Uh, never, never, never mind. The uh, fourth thing that I wanted to bring to our attention uh, three weeks ago was to have a positive mindset, a positive mindset. Most of you do not remember Captain Kangaroo, but in Captain Kangaroo, there was a train that was trying to make it to the top of the destination, train would start out way down here, and the little train would say, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And as he got close to the top, his attitude changed. He says, I know I can, I know I can, I know I can. And know today that you can accomplish what God has called you to accomplish because if it's God's will, look at someone and say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He will finance that. He'll allow you to think positive things and be what he's called you to be. The thing I want to talk about this morning for a few minutes is to commit to excellence. Commit to do your best, maintain high standards. We'll talk more about that later. Next week, we may look at the thought about keep growing, keep growing. Uh, Chris can tell you the, the, the area that he is over. It's necessary from time to time to go to another seminar, to go online, to, to the, the system's being rebooted. It's getting better every day. And when something gets better every day, you have to grow with it or it will outrun you and somebody else will watch over that. Uh, the seventh thing that we will share a little later in the month is to learn how to serve others. Scary when you think Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and it was an honor for him to do that, to set an example, to teach us how we minister one to another. And then the last thing that we'll conclude this, this thought with is to stay passionate, is to stay passionate what you're doing and what you're in, involved in. And uh, I wanted to look this morning just for a few minutes at Colossians 3 and 15 as we talk about pursuing excellence. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you're also called in one body and be you thankful. And let the words of Christ dwell in you rich in all wisdom, which is teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. 
and whatsoever, look at somebody and say whatsoever means whatsoever. Whatsoever, go ahead, means whatsoever. You do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And verse 23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily unto God, not unto man. What a powerful truth about being not a people pleaser, but being a God pleaser. Knowing at the end of the day when your head hits the pellet, your attitude is, God, did I accomplish everything you wanted me to accomplish? Did I do everything you wanted me to do? And I think long before Ben Hinn wrote the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, I believe there are several of us in our walk with the Lord. When we wake up in the morning, our attitude is, what do you want to do today, Lord? What do you want to, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to get involved in? And then when you have that conversation, first of all, you go to your wife and say, what can I do today to take pressure off of you? What can I do today and put on my list so that you don't have to do it? I know some of you are looking at me like I have three heads, but it's okay to bless your wife. It's okay to do things for her, take pressure off of her, so she has more time to do stuff for you and for others. Is that not a Thank you, all the wives. I appreciate that support. I feel, I, I feel it. When we're talking about pursuing excellence, there's a story in Matthew 5 and 41 where Jesus is talking to the disciples, and here's what Jesus says. He says, when you are asked to carry the cloak of a Roman soldier a mile, go ahead and carry it two miles. Not just do the mile that you're required, but it, it was the law. The Jews had to serve the Romans. Jerusalem had been taken over by Roman Empire, by, by Nero, by, by, the, by the, the magistrate of that country. And if a soldier, a Roman soldier, asked you to do something, by law you had to do it. But instead of just doing the minimum, Jesus said, go ahead and do the extra mile. I remember uh, when I ran when I ran junior varsity and I ran varsity track for for two years. I remember that in that in that race, I kept telling myself, "It's only six minutes. It's only six minutes." And I remember my junior year, I broke the six minute mark and I went to the five minute mark. And then when I'm I'm running, I'm telling myself, "Okay, it's only five minutes. It's only five minutes." And halfway through my senior year of varsity track, I broke that five-minute mark, and then, then I started running and telling myself, it's only, stay with me for a minute, it's only four minutes of hell, and then the celebration. And so when you tell yourself, when you're focused on something, this is as long as it's going to last. Do the very best you can, be the very best you can, because it won't be very long before this race is run, and it will be over, and it will be history. Do I have a friend in the building? I uh, I, I literally grew up in a carpenter's home. My dad, when, when we were we were very young, went to Bellflower, California, which is right by Long Beach and Huntington Beach and, and Compton, all, all that area in there. And dad bought a house that was on an acre, and it was a chicken farm. It, the house was on the road, and then the, the back acre were these big chicken houses. And so what dad and the church did, they took all the chicken houses apart and took all the nails out of the board and stacked the boards, and they began to build the church with material they had taken from the chicken house, a, a uh, apartment complex. They decided they were going to level the apartment and put a house there, and so my dad found out about it, so he went, and they told him, if you tear this thing down, you can have all the lumber. And in those days, lumber was lumber. It wasn't vinyl. It wasn't metal. It, wasn't, it, was, it was the real deal wood. 
so they, the men would go and they would tear all these apartment buildings. They they bring all the, the lumber with the nails in it to the to the chicken where the chicken farm was, and there we began to pull nails out of this wood and use it like it was brand new. And I remember what was so crazy that Dad told me he would give me a penny for he would give me a, he would give me a penny for every nail I pulled. That doesn't sound like a whole lot, but I got the kids in the in the neighborhood to help me, and I told them that I would give them a penny for every two nails they pulled, and so I would turn in all my nails. And even at an early early age, uh, John, I was a rat. At an early age, I was I was crooked. I was demented. I found out where Dad put the nails after I turned them in, and then I went and got the nails and turned them in again. And Al, you're talking about the switch. I can relate to the belt. I can relate to. And the worst thing is when you when you try to get away, it's even worse. It's like then, then the belt slips and it's the buckle. And I, like Al, I can relate. There was there were days in my life when I did not dress out for PE. I wore sweats because I didn't want people to know that my dad had flat wore me out. But you know what? I never got a whipping. I did not deserve. I'm so proud to tell you there's a bunch of stuff I got away with that I never got. I never got I never got the whipping. But 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 as I grew up in that and it was a it was a wonderful place to be to see where you take wood and you build something. That was just a that was just kind of a neat. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed a wood shop and I enjoyed stuff like that. And then uh, when I graduated from high school, most you know I went to law school. I started hanging out with cops. I got real disillusioned by the cops taking drugs away and selling them or using them. It was just one of those. And what is so crazy, Linda, they made a movie about the college I went to, Saving Compton. I don't know if you've seen or heard of that movie. That's where I was raised up. My car was stolen the third day of school. I had deep dish crackers. I had headers. It was a beautiful car. Come out after after a law class, my car was gone. And that's kind of the way that, that, neighbor, that neighborhood rolled. But as I, as I just kind of got disillusioned with everything going on, the door opened for me to become a carpenter. Now in California, and I'm sure here, there are levels that you enter. You enter in a apprentice level at a certain amount of hour, a certain amount of money per hour, and then you graduate into this much an hour. And as a journeyman, you not just got this much an hour, but you got a, a dollar for every hour you work for vacation, and then all of your benefits and all the things like that. And uh, there was a, a guy that went to our church that he was kind of my he was kind of my hero, some wise of black belt karate, and he was what's called a professional nailer, which probably means nothing to anybody in this building. But if you were to go on site at Walmart, you would learn the walls of Walmart are poured on the ground; they are concrete, and when they stand those walls up, they brace them. And the company I work for came into that those walls stood up, and they put the beams where the pillars were. And they put pillars going this way, and everything was plywood, like a gigantic football field. And our job was to go up on the plywood, and in the edges of the plywood, the nails had to be two or three inches apart. In the field, the nails were six inches apart. And you, you, you were supposed to do a certain amount every day. Now, the nails in a box weighed 100 pounds, and we were, we were required by our company to do five boxes of nails a day. That's 500 pounds of nails. That's a lot of nails. The challenge with the nails, when you open the cartridge of the gun, it would hold two clips, which was 90 nails. But because the gun was designed for a right-hander, John, every time that I went to pull the cartridge back, I had to change hands, pull it back, put the nails in, then switch it back. I put a tape, I put tape around the trigger, so all I had to do was tap the nose to get the gun to fire. 
After about three or four weeks of working on this job and working with other nailers, I had other nailers come to me during break or lunchtime and said, listen, you're, you're, you're nailing too many nails. You're getting too much done. said, you need to break down. You need to cause it. You need to work on your tools. You need to, because the, the rate you're working, it makes us look bad, and, and, and this is how we settled in. This is how we're riding this job. Well, I didn't want to ride the job. I wanted to own the company. I didn't want to just, I didn't just do the minimum. I, I, I had an attitude, and, and the thing of it is, I didn't get in at the apprentice level, John. I got in at the journeyman level. I was making big money in 1972, 1973, 1974, and that was something I loved to do. Then the door opened for us to start framing, and we started framing. Then we started doing drywall. Then we started doing this and doing that. And I never, I've, I've always appreciated those days when my dad, I could use a skill saw at 13 years old. I appreciated my dad teaching me a trade that he had learned. And the thing I would appreciate about my dad, if, if, it, if it didn't work, he made it right. If it didn't fit, he cut it. If it was too long, he cut it. If it was too short, he did another piece and, and, and made it right. And I learned very early in life to go the extra mile and do it right. What's the cliche? We never have time to do it right, but we always have time to do it over. Do I have a friend in the building? I remember as a, as a child growing up, it was my responsibility to keep the church lawn mowed. And not only that the church lawn mowed, but I had an edge and I had flowers planted and it was the best looking church lawn in the city. That was just something that I that I enjoyed doing. I enjoy, if you come to my house today, my garden looks terrible because everything has died, but in about 90 days, you'll come look at my garden and you'll think you're at some place like SeaWorld or Disneyland. And one thing I noticed about SeaWorld and Disneyland, if you've ever been there, the place is spotless. It is spotless. It is literally, you don't find any gum on the concrete. You don't find any papers. And then you'll look and you'll see there's a person that's hired. All they do is scrape gum. And there's another person. All they do is blow leaves. And Disneyland and SeaWorld, I, mean, I was blown away by SeaWorld a couple of weeks ago when I, when I was blown away by how beautiful all the plants were, the trees, the flowers. Un, obviously, Florida, incredible. But it was amazing how spotless everything was. It was so clean. I've been to Haiti 9, 10, 11, 12 times. In Haiti, they have dirt floors and cardboard walls. But all the homes I visited in Haiti were spotless. There was no trash. There was, no, there was nothing in the house. That, that mom took care of that house and took care of what, what she had. It may not have been a lot, but what she had, she took care of it. And so I'm glad that I learned early in life to kind of not necessarily be a perfectionist. That's not, I think that's what we're going to talk about this next Wednesday some people won't do something because they're afraid they can't do it good enough, and so they don't even try it. But the, but the attitude is get out there and try it, and every time you do it, do it just a little bit better. Do I have a friend in the house? Uh, there, are, there are things I'm trying to learn. Go ahead. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. There are things that I'm trying to learn, and I'm still learning them, and Pastor Rhonda is helping me. But you've got to realize when I grew up, I grew up with flip-flop shorts and a tank top. I grew, up, I grew up on a surfboard. That was my thing. That's where I hung out. I mean, I, I, you, you wore dirt off your hands. I wore sand between my toes. I mean, that was the way I lived. So when I come to Cleveland, Tennessee, and everybody wears clothes, it's really kind of crazy. So I'd be out working in the yard, and I'd tell Pastor Ron, I'm going to run to Walmart and grab a whatever. She goes, you're going to go looking like that? And, and if, I, if some of you see me out, I'm, I look kind of crazy. It's a lot better than what I intended to do, but Pastor Rhonda had some way of revamping and just kind of just very nicely. 
like last week I got ready to come to church and I wanted to wear this particular shirt. And she said, it's wrinkled. I said, I'll tuck it in. Nobody will see. Nobody will know. But then I went back in and I, and I, and I changed shirts. And what was so crazy this morning is Big John came in the door. I, I said, Big John, you look so nice today. He said, I'm dressing for success. I said, I can believe it. I've got that right here in my, in my nose to dress for success. And when you go somewhere, when you do something, you look the very best you can. Do the very best you can. Operate the very best you can. Same thing with your car. If you, if you can't get to your car because of all the empty Taco Bell cubs and stuff like that, you need to take a moment and clean your car. You know, something about what, and it's something inside of me that I, I really don't like. What was so funny, that book I'm reading that's on stress, I found two grammatical errors in that book. But I'll come up, I'll come up to the church and out there, somebody drove by and bat and threw out whatever they threw at it. It doesn't matter. Beer bottle, Coke bottle, doesn't matter what it is. It bugs the dog out of me. And not once, not twice, but over a hundred times, a hundred times in the past 27 years, have I pulled over on the church lawn, got out and grabbed and grabbed it and threw it away. Then I got people like Angel mowing the church lawn. When they see a cup, it's a target. They go after it, and they ran over it. And now it's not one cup i got to pick up, but it's like 50 pieces of a cup I've got to pick up. It just, it just, it just, and sometimes I don't like me in that mode. I'll come to church, middle of the day, the outside lights will be on, the, the, garden, light, the garden lights will be on. And I'm thinking to myself, doesn't anybody know it's daytime and we don't need any lights? And I'll go through, and I'll turn all the lights. Uh, the other day we were headed somewhere, you were gone. And I, I, I walked through the house and turned off 11 lights. I think that was a new record, 11 lights. And I know Christy's in one area and Al's down here, and we got all this stuff going up here. But, it, but it's like it's okay to focus on the finish. It's okay to look at the, at the I think, and, and let me look at my notes here because I think i got something else here about the um, Philippians 3, 13. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind I press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. It's a little higher standard that God expects us to live by. When, 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 when people look at you, they're looking at the Christ that is in you. When people see how you, how you uh, operate, I was, I was reading a story of a, of a, a famous pastor, pastors thousands of people, and he went uh, to, to a market and he opened the door. And when he opened the door, the wind blew a bunch. He had some, he had some stuff in the front seat that was all was going to throw away. And the wind just blew, just blew it everywhere, the, 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 all over the parking lot. And so he said to himself, you know, they pay somebody minimum wage to clean the parking lot. I can just let it go, go in here and shop. And he wrestled with himself. And then he stopped. He went and he picked up every single piece of paper that fell from his car. He picked it all up and, and got it back where it needed to be that he, his head toward the store. And there was a, a couple that got out of the car, and they said, hello, we watch you every Sunday morning on, on, on television. And then, and then the woman said, and we were going to see what you did. How crazy is that? that they're watching. They're watching. I mean, I mean, they're watching our life. They're watching what we're doing. They're watching. Uh, I had a job that uh, we took at, at, at one time. Let me see how much time I can share this. There was, a, there was a generation that bought a pickup truck and put a camper on the pickup truck. There was a generation where there were campers. The camper came over the bed of the truck, and that's where you slept. 
and uh, these campers had they had bathrooms, they had sinks, they had. My uncle, who who died in poverty, my uncle was the one that designed Tropicana. He created the first uh, uh, self-contained. That meant it had had a toilet, had a sink. He created that and made millions of dollars and got real bad into alcohol. And his brothers managed to to make him bankrupt. But that company that company was sold, and they took a minivan and they cut the minivan off right at the right at the door. And then from the door on, they built what I, they just called it a floating bar, just a, a real nice living room setting with a bar, and people would get it, go to the river, set, drink, and party. I went to work. I went to work for that company, and that company. I asked that company. I said, "What do you want me to do?" They said, "We want you to do a little bit of everything. We want you to do the the plywood floor. We want you to build the cabinets. We want you to metal and put the windows in. That way, if somebody's not there." You can step in and, and do their part. And this was a this was an incredible opportunity, incredible. And again, John, I started getting pressure from people around me saying, hey, you don't have to do that many side walls a day. You don't have to do that many floors a day. You have to fill that many cabinets a day. And my attitude was, they're paying me pretty good money, and I'm going to do the best I can. And something I learned about people that punch a clock, some people punch in right at the very last minute. Then some, then some people punch in, or they get ready to punch in 30 minutes before they're done. They start slowing down. They start. That was never my attitude. I got there early. I swept the floor. I stayed late. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a problem working 15 or 20 minutes overtime. And when the recession hit in 76, 75 and 76, almost everybody was laid off except me. You know what they paid me to do? Sweep the, 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 the storeroom. After I sweep it, they said sweep it again. In other words, they kept me on salary. They kept me working that company because when things picked back up, they wanted me there because I wasn't afraid to go the extra mile. And so if you're taking notes, it's okay to go the extra mile. In, in Daniel 5 and 12, it says this. It says that Daniel had the spirit of excellence. Excellence is a spirit. And when you begin to examine Daniel's life, the Bible says that he was 10 times better in every area of athletics, of education, of knowledge. He was 10 times better than the other, the other people in the, in the city. And that's just the way that God will bless you. You are, you, are, you are demonstrating the power of God. You're demonstrating the presence of God. And when you walk in excellence, God blesses you and God pr prompts you and God motivates you to be the very best. Do, do I have a friend in the building that would agree with me? When I think about, when I think about Joseph, and w Joseph was mentioned today, but Joseph obviously was a, he was a, he was a, a go-getter. Every place he went, he excelled. But one thing, Al, I noticed is that when the, it was the butler, right, that, that told Pharaoh, uh, there's this guy that can interpret dreams, and the Pharaoh sent for Joseph and probably went the chain of command through the warden. When Joseph heard that the Pharaoh wanted to see him, you know what he did? Took a shower and changed clothes. Very, put his very best on. He's going to stand before the king, going to stand before Pharaoh. God's going to use him. You know the story, 14 years of, of leadership that God used Joseph. But Joseph, before he went to stand before the king, he put on his best attire. He, was, he took a shower. He shaved, and he presented himself the very best way that he could. In Proverbs 31 and, 31 and 29, I love this story because it has to do with every single woman in the building. Would you lift your hand? Every single woman in the building, it says that your spirit is excellent. 
a Proverbs 31 woman, your spirit is excellent. The Bible says that the spirit of Solomon excels. And I'm going to conclude, conclude this morning with 1 Corinthians 14 and 12. And if you don't mind, just taking a moment and going there and, and, and look at it with me. 1 Corinthians 14 and 12. The church of Corinth was a very active church. It was a very healthy church. It was a very good church. It was a church that operated in many gifts of the Spirit. It was a church where they flowed in the word of knowledge. They flowed in the word of wisdom. They had prophetic gifts. They had, uh, they had, they had miracle gifts. They had faith. They were givers financially. They were not afraid to support the church. And Paul is writing them and complimenting all of their efforts to pursue the spiritual things of God, all the giftings of God. And then, in, then in, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 12, Paul makes a statement, and he says this, Even so ye, forasmuch as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Seek that you might excel in the edifying of the church. As I am committed to excellence and called to excellence, I believe that God puts in, in every one of our hearts and every one of our spirits the ability to be what he wants us to be and to do what he wants us to do. And there's a door. There's a door that you can choose to walk through that door of excellence, or there's a door that you can choose to remain where you are and say, it's probably never going to get any better. This is probably all there is. This is probably where it's at. And we talked about that earlier, about the right attitude, the right spirit, and having towards that. I believe that God raises us up in the last days to be lights in dark places. And here's what the word says. A poor man, no one heeds. But a rich man's counsel, everyone listens. Are you saying, Pastor, is it not okay to be poor? That's, that's not the point I'm making at all. The point I'm making is that when you have been called and God's placed a, a burden or a gifting in your life, you need to pursue that, that burden and gifting knowing that it's of God and God will bless it and God will honor it. Lemmy Miller taught us several years ago, if you make the effort, God will bless the effort. If you make the effort, God will get behind it and God will bless you. And I wanted to, I wanted to close today with a, uh, a humorous illustration I've shared with several. Some of you may not have, have seen it, but this, uh, this, this story took place in Texas. And uh, this young man went to a bar in Texas, and he noticed that this bar was hiring bodyguards, bouncers. And so he walked up to the manager and said, I'd like to apply for a job as a bouncer. The manager of this nightclub looked at him and said, you know what? said, we got some big old boys in here, and they get drunk, and they get rebellious, and they're pretty hard to put down. We need someone tough that can do this job. And the young man looked at the, the manager and said, let me tell you how tough I am. I come from a farm on the outside of, of Dallas, and I was bush hogging the back 40, and I fell off the tractor, and I cut my arm off, but I knew if my dad, if I didn't finish the field, my dad would give me a whipping. So I took some duct tape, and I taped my arm back on, and I finished bush hogging the back 40. And the manager looked at the guy and said, man, you are tough. You can have this job. And the boy from Texas went, Anyway, you can't capture that on the podcast. I'm sorry you had to be here alive to see that. Uh, 
Pastor Rhonda quotes me all the time. It's not really my it's not really my quote, but but I but I live it. I believe in it. I believe it's where it's where I'm at right now. When Mel Gibson's family was taken by the by the uh, British soldiers, and Mel took his two children, five and six years of age, and they went to ambush this battalion that had his son. When they got in the places of ambushment, right before the enemy got there, Mel looked at his children and said this, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. This morning, if you are motivated to go home and mow your lawn, so be it. If you're motivated to go go home and clean your car out, so be it. If you're motivated to go home and make your bed, how many of you did not, you did not make your bed today? You did not. Let me see your hand. We have two honest people, three out of four honest people. And uh, we saw something about a survey that I made. Did you notice my half was made? Yes, I made my half of the, I made my half, and I put my my half of the pillows on there. You see that too? I went extra today. I'm really trying to practice what I preach. I want to live this life I sing about. I want to I want to be these things that God's word said. So we're all kind of we're all kind of learning this together. But don't get overwhelmed by by great big dreams and promises that look almost impossible. But start with the little things in life that are so important. And and I will conclude with this illustration. I had a uh, I was questioned as to why I was teaching my children to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and no, ma'am, and yes, ma'am. And I read an article that, that documented that employers are 90% more prone to give the job to the interviewee that says yes, sir, and no, sir. Little things that God blesses, little things that God touches, little ways you can be involved in and bathe. I hope you got all, that, all those notes taken down. Anybody else? Everybody good? Let's pray. Hey, what a great day, Father. What a great time to be a part of your family. We love you. We trust you as our as our nation gets ready to 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 select a, a leader. You raise up, you you tear down, you're in control. We trust you. We we do research, we vote for the one that we feel would be the best qualified. But as this life is going on, you are in control. You know everything you need. You know we are, you know what we have need of. We ask you like a blanket to cover us and to bless us and touch us. Honor our seed. Honor our tithe. Honor our worship. Honor our testimonies. Honor our good, our good, our good deeds that we do, not to impress anybody else, but to impress you. For the spirit of excellence, in the name of Jesus, we pray.